On podcast 1931, the results of an electric truck experiment, Stockholm goes all EV, and Fiat want to bring the chargers to you. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for the weekend, Saturday 14th of October. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. We go live at 5pm UK, that's midday Eastern, but Patreon supporters get those episodes as soon as they're ready and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. Got some official EPA numbers from Kia. We had the estimated numbers for the EV9, that's their big three-row car, coming soon. Now we've got the EPA ratings of 304 miles. That's, I think that's pretty stellar, to be honest with you. Either a 76 kilowatt hour battery with a 160 kilowatt motor or a 99.8 kilowatt hour battery with a 201 horsepower motor. Uh, an all-wheel drive version, of course, as well. This The number I've given you, 304 miles, that is for the rear-wheel drive version. So slightly more efficient, if you like. 800-volt system, of course, on the eGMP. And I always say eGMP platform, and then I get told off because the P in eGMP is for platform. But I'd say the word platform for anyone who's not a supercar nerd. Uh, However, uh, it will go to 80% charge in 25, 26 minutes, and that's fantastic. DC peak charging at 236 kilowatts. Big vehicle used by families can probably road trip really well with the right charging infrastructure, depending on where you're listening around the world. But 304 miles, brilliant. Volkswagen's numbers came out yesterday, a 45% surge in EV deliveries, 531,000 units globally in the first nine months of this year. Breaking that down, they shifted 321,000 in the first half of the year, an additional 209,000 in the third quarter. Geographically, Volkswagen still very much about Europe, 64% Europe, China, 22%, USA, just 10% of VW's EV sales. Dig into the brands and you look at Volkswagen's sort of name badger, uh, 273,000 EV deliveries. And in the first nine months of the year, Audi followed with 123,000. Then Skoda with uh, 10% of the group. Sayat Cupra uh, with 6% of the group. Porsche was 5% of their deliveries and commercial division, which includes the buzz, of course, was the remainder. Now we'll talk about the Tesla semi-truck outperforming its rivals in range and efficiency, but there's always a little caveat in these things, which I'll give you. In a recent real-world test, which was conducted with multiple different electric truck manufacturers, and all the data was posted online for us to see every day, actually. Really interesting thing that they were doing. The Tesla semi-truck achieved about 400 miles on a single charge with an 80% recharge time of 45 minutes. It was a three-week trial with 22 electric freight-hauling tractors. The semi emerged superior in terms of daily miles covered, but that could be because of the purpose it was used for. But either way, it validates the fact that EV trucks match a day's work for a diesel truck. When squared off against EV trucks from Nikola, BYD, Freightliner and Volvo, uh, the semi did the most miles from September the 11th for 18 days. The North American Council for Freight Efficiency monitored these trucks. They collected data on the charging, the ownership costs, the driving performance. They posted it all online every day, and I've been talking about it and tracking it daily. One advantage for Tesla might be that their trucks are used by PepsiCo. And so they their routes were essentially longer routes, fewer stops, getting those uh, those, you know, fizzy pop drinks 
to where they had to be. On its longest mileage day, the semi only made five stops. Nicola's truck made 13 deliveries. Uh, The E-Cascadia did 10 stops. And so, of course, if they're always driving, then the Tesla ones are going to go further, if that makes sense. Depends on the roads as well. But either way, argue amongst yourselves. The reason I'm giving you this story is, yes, there are nuances to it. Yeah, Tesla came out top. But the point is, uh, it indicates that a company like Pepsi, who have absolutely replicated a day's work for a diesel truck, is now being done by electric with intermediate charging. They're replacing all those emissions. They're saving a load of money. It's better for the environment. It costs them way less, and it's nicer for the people who are working in those vehicles as well. Now, let's talk about Tesla's Investor Day. This is definitely not an investor podcast, uh, but I do keep an eye on this kind of the sentiment out there amongst all the different EV companies, just to see if we're kind of picking up on something that we should be aware of. And having a look at Say.com, which is pulling together investor questions ahead of their upcoming Q3 earnings. Well, it's really all about the Cybertruck and when and where we can see that vehicle in 23 or 2024. There's also questions being asked about the expected availability date for Model 3 Highland in the US. Investors are keen on updates on the 4680 cells, especially advancements in performance and cost savings from previous information given to investors on things like battery date. There's also questions being aimed at the board um, about factory expansion in Berlin and Austin, launch timelines for Gigafactory Mexico, and investors question the rationale behind the price reductions of full self-driving when we're being told that it's anticipated to launch soon, things like robo-taxis, and we were told, well, hang on, the price was going to go up when we get closer to full autonomy. That'll all be answered very soon uh, next week on the Tesla Investor Call. Maybe not all those questions, but hopefully they'll get to some of those. I'm looking forward to hearing more about uh, the Cybertruck because it's it's a blind spot for me. I don't get the look of the Cybertruck. I would never spend my own money in a million years on the Cybertruck. So I'm really looking forward to learning more about the vehicle, the specs, which nobody knows and we haven't been told, and also the kind of people that end up buying it and spending their own money on it. And I presume lots of people will love those vehicles as well. So for me, it is one of those ones where I don't get it yet. So I'm looking forward to learning more about the Cybertruck and even if I don't become a raving fan, hopefully I can appreciate that vehicle. Uh, well, Tesla, uh, uh, we've got a bit more news coming up about them in a moment. But first of all, let's move on and talk Stockholm, initiating an historic EV-only zone from 2025. Announced on Thursday this week, uh, the local authorities in Stockholm announced a complete ban on combustion in their commercial district in 2025. The move marks the first of its kind for a European capital. The initiative targeting pollution, noise and also the promotion of electric vehicles. The environmental zone will only permit zero emissions vehicles, exceptions, of course, emergency vehicles, and even vehicles for disabled access as well. Taxi Stockholm is one big company affected, but they say it's fine. They're rapidly rapidly transitioning to zero emission vehicles. Uh, Amsterdam is also setting an ambitious goal to have all their transportation zero emissions. That's 2030, though. And Paris also wants to go zero emission, but is facing... Uh, I think some resistance to their ban on diesel and petrol uh, for 2030. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk BYD. And out of nowhere, BYD are going to launch an electric truck, which I didn't know about, but a regulatory filing, a patent leak, if you like, has unveiled the design for BYD's electric pickup truck. And the anticipated launch, 
before the end of this year. Well, earlier in April, we did see some testing, heavily camouflaged, by the way. But this truck, if you strip away the camo, does look very much like these leaked patent illustrations. That was back in April that we saw it. Uh, the new EV from BYD will certainly be a challenger to the likes of the Ford F-150 Lightning. Not that the BYD would be sold in the US for now. Geely's Radar RD6, the Dongfeng Rich 6. There's more trucks coming on the market. This will be a China vehicle, I've no doubt. Speculation uh, it, it suggests that it'll be a full electric and a plug-in hybrid as well. And on the insides, we've seen things like the head-up display in those testing vehicles. So uh, not a completely stripped-out work truck if you're doing putting things like a head-up display in there. Well, Fiat is introducing mobile charging in Europe. So what do you think of uh, DC fast charging or even AC charging and where it is in the world? Well, do you think that there should be more of it near you? Fiat say, we've got you back because we'll literally bring the charging to you. Rolling out their on-demand charging solution for owners of new Fiat's like the 500 and the Abarth as well. And use the Fiat app. You can request a charge regardless of where you are parked. The service is powered by eGap, and it's available in 13 cities in Italy, France, Spain, Germany, and will be expanded to 15 European cities by the end of this year. Use the app, book a slot, a van turns up, and it mobile charges your EV. You set a charging time and how much of the charge you need, and you pay through the app as well. Only 50 euro cents per kilowatt hour, pretty cheap, although electricity is coming down as we head into the winter. At the moment, certainly here, um, electric costs are getting a little more under control. What do you think about the idea? I'm not sure, because that's either going to be uh, a niche service or oh, like i don't know but if you really can't get to a charger i know there are services that will come and fill up your car uh with with petrol as well isn't there so replicating that i'm not so sure we'll wait and see now let's talk about oh no let's take a quick break then we'll talk about why evs might not be getting more expensive for you and neo ramping up their production of their driveline system stick around back in a sec well if you'd like your podcasts ad free and who wouldn't? Well, I mean, the free version has a couple of ads in it. It makes me a little bit of money, but I pay my bills through Patreon, as I've talked about recently. I've backed off all the other work I'm doing. I'm going to give EV News Daily everything I've got for at least a couple of years and just see where it goes. And I was you know, doing other bits and bobs of work and the Formula One stuff, and um, I, and I, I always thought that this would be the only thing, and then that was too tempting to, you know, I'm, I'm a racing nerd. But backing away from all my other work and just focusing on this. So I am relying on the Patreon supporters, the businesses and the individuals, because otherwise without that, I can't pay my <laughs> my bills, but I'll give it a go. We'll see if it works. And so thank you very much to everyone on that. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash EV News Daily. If you'd like to support the show, get it on the air. Uh, certainly for those that listen to the free version, they get a couple of ads. But if you'd like your ad-free version, you can also get a little perk on Patreon. Now, London is rolling out its 1,000th zero-emission bus. The milestone was a street-deck electroliner operated by Metro Line from the Edgware part of London, if you know London very well. Uh, Wright Bus was the manufacturer with the Voith Electrical Drive System. Big step forward for TfL, which is T Transport for London, by the way. Uh, they want a fully zero-emission bus fleet by 2034. Uh, the city's been aggressive in going zero emissions. Certainly when I worked in town, 
going back a couple of years now, but um, I'd get off the train at Waterloo and I'd see loads of them around. But that was, I mean, that really is the centre of town. There's loads of them all over London now. Uh, vehicles also are being targeted in London with the low emission zone, the ultra low emission zone, the ULEZ, which has been expanded recently. Uh, so Euro 4 for petrol or Euro 6 for diesel, you get a charge if you drive over that boundary and you head into London if your car isn't compliant. Oh, and by the way, if you have an EV, yes, it's free, but you have to tell them you're driving into town. I have been caught out by that before. I thought, oh, it's okay. I can drive my EV into London. It's like whatever it was before six o'clock or something. And uh, no, I think I got caught out. This is a while ago now. My memory fades. Anyway, the European Union and the UK look set to hopefully make an agreement that could mean life gets better for you and I post-Brexit. <laughs> oh, the Brexit word. I hate saying it. Um, uh, Post-Brexit deal was done by a former Prime Minister of ours, Boris Johnson, which meant that from the 1st of January, there were going to be big tariffs on vehicles that we buy here. So importing a vehicle from Europe, cars were going to get 10% more expensive, and they probably still will in time because the EU is refusing to reopen the deal uh, that our government did at the time. But it's called Rules of Origin, and it's all about where the parts of the car and the battery come from. Brussels is now said to be reconsidering and possibly a delay which could give the car makers time to use more locally sourced parts and not as many China parts. The current discussions involve extending the introduction of the rules by another two years to delay that 10% tariff on EVs. There's consistent persuasion from the UK, also the European car makers, because it works both ways, right? We are exporting vehicles, we get more expensive by 10%. That's, that's £5,000 out of your pocket on a 50 grand car. And those Prices would all be passed on to the consumers, say the likes of Stellantis, Vauxhall's parent company. They're voicing concerns that say, well, if you add 10% to a vehicle, it's just not worth making EVs in the UK. Car makers, along with the UK, cautioned against these rules all along, uh, highlighting that it would also make European vehicles more expensive. And the European Commission at the time, at, at, right now, are talking about investigating Chinese vehicles for unfair practices and yet they'd make vehicles 10% more expensive for Europeans to buy that were made in the UK, which seems crazy when they're meant to be targeting China. So hopefully the UK and the EU can work out that little that little blip in the Brexit agreement. Next up, we'll go to China and NEO introducing a new production line that will make a million electric drive systems a year. EDS, electric drive system, uh, the Italian... Automation expert Comau, Comau uh, owned by Stellantis, I think, aren't they? Uh, provided uh, Neo with the production lines to make these new electric drive systems, a million of them a year. A lot of the Neo vehicles have dual motors, and so that would be two systems. That'd be 500,000 vehicles a year, but that's not a small number. And Neo, back in the day, they couldn't find the electric drive systems that they wanted to use. They developed their own back in 2015. And now they're, you know, going to be making a million more a year, every year for their EVs. Really deeply impressive stuff that they are doing there. OK, let's move on. Let's talk about battery recycling, because, you know, you hear it from the EV distractors that the EVs are going to be going into landfill and the batteries are going to be wasted. Well, look, not a single bit of a battery is going to go to waste because it's just too valuable and they are going to be recycled. Here's an example. And this includes consumer goods as well, because everyone conveniently forgets about tablets and phones and everything like that. They have a good old go at EV batteries, but they do forget there's a lot of waste sitting in people's junk drawers. Well, the American Battery Technology 
technology company, ABTC, is beginning their operations of the lithium-ion battery recycling in Nevada at their Tahoe Reno Industrial Center. They'll handle 22,000 tons of battery feedstock a year, and they'll see the conversion of battery feedstock into copper, aluminium, steel, and a kind of intermediate process called black mass, which then gets sold on to be further refined. Let's talk a little bit about electric transport in the air. eVTOL, electric vertical takeoff and landing. Archer is a company. I spent some time with one of the top executives of Archer earlier this year. I was really impressed with what they are doing. Lots of companies are doing eVTOL, by the way. Archer just secured this week $65 million in funding and financing to cover uh, the lion's share of expenses for Archer's expansion into their development site of their Covington, Georgia facility, which kicked off earlier this year in March, actually. On top of this fresh investment, Archer has $150 million from Stellantis. They're looking into electric vertical takeoff and landing. Their debut aircraft called the Midnight. I learned a lot about that earlier this year. They built their first one in May at their Palo Alto base. Uh, it's a five-seater, uh, tilt-rotor design, one pilot, four passengers, 12 propellers. Uh, the front six can tilt forward during cruise mode. The rear six rotors are fixed. Lithium-ion battery technology, range of about 45 nautical miles. And the point of this vehicle, it does 130 knots or so, um, when I was talking to one of the senior execs there, was all about replacing journeys that are maybe an hour and a half. And so this isn't for everyone. This is for New York. This is for San Francisco. This is to get uh, and yes, it'll be, I imagine, at the beginning, businesses and those that will pay a higher price, but they've got obviously big plans to make it available to as many people as possible. Uh, it's quiet, it's eco-friendly, and you're using you know renewable energy to do it. But also a journey that will take an hour and a half on the road can take 10 to 20 minutes. And you can do that in built-up, highly urban areas because they're quiet as well. And of course, when you're landing and on the ground, you charge up and that's enough charge to do the next journey. eVTOL's interesting. Not the only ones, like I say. There's also a, in, in Japan, I think Suzuki, there's a famous name in, in manufacturing. They're getting into it as well. They've confirmed plans to begin production of, let me call it flying cars if you want to, at their Suzuki facility through their new subsidiary called Skyworks. Uh, it's in Shizuka region. And they want to roll out 100 SkyDrive vehicles every year. Uh, beyond the obvious draw of electric propulsion being quieter, it's all about making them more accessible. So the more you build, the cheaper the cost goes down for each one. And you can touch down in local neighbourhoods and there's areas that, you know, a helicopter can't land, for instance, because of the noise apart from in an emergency. And I want to finish off with this story because I saw it floating around earlier this week. There was a a journalist in 2015 went snooping around a Tesla supercharger with a camcorder. <laughs> you know, 2015 was a while ago, and claimed that they had a, they they discovered a dirty secret of diesel generators. Well, for some reason, that eight years later, that story was resurfaced by a website called sfgate.com. And uh, re reporting it almost like it was new news about Tesla's dirty secret that they're using diesel generators to charge EVs. Now, I gather then people started contacting uh, the place because it's called Harris Ranch on California's I-5. So Harris Ranch had to put out a statement this week to say, look, this article implied that this large, at the time world's largest supercharger with 98 charging bays uh, was in somehow secretly diesel powered. Harris Ranch had to say, no, there is no diesel plant on this site, the building that this so-called journalist was 
saying it was a diesel generator is office space, storage space for the Express Barbecue. <laughs> Which I think is a great punchline to that story uh, of people trying to, I oh, just sling dirt at electric cars. I mean, like, oh, they're diesel powered. Oh, you're all fools. You're being sucked in because they're all running on diesel. Look, I've got my camcorder. I've found an example. <laughs> and then Harris Ranch have to come out and go, no, it's storage for the barbecue place, mate. They've said, anyone's welcome to come along and inspect it. There are nose at diesel generators. Thank you very much. So I-, I saw it pop up earlier this week. I rolled my eyes and then it got widely reported again like it was new news. I'm like, all right, I'm going to put this to bed at the weekend. <laughs> hey, that's your podcast for today. Thanks for listening so much. Thanks to our premium partners, Porsche of the Village of Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley. That's uh, uh, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo V Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a really great weekend if you are listening to this over the weekend. Have a good one and I'll see you soon. Oh, and remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.